building entirely just crushed and crumbled. I'm not sure if it's safe to report from my vantage point. I I really need to leave. So the fences informed me that the surrounding areas are, are in ruin. I I see some people running now. And the opinion of this reporter, if this nation or in fact the world ever needed heroes, that time is now. That time is now. The official podcast of the AquamanShrine.com and FirestormFan.com. I'm one of your co-hosts, the Irredeemable Shag. With me today, as always, is Rob, the Wave Master of the Aquaman Shrine. How you doing, Rob? Very good. I am uh, feeling no pain right now. Uh, Shag, doing really, doing really, doing very. (laughs) (laughs) Easy for you to say. (laughs) Apparently not. I'm not drunk, folks. I promise. I'm doing quite well. I uh, I wish I could say the same. I am recovering from the flu. Um, bad enough that it put me down for like four to five days, literally. Um, <laughs> I actually did put me down. I know you like that. I like that phrase. I, <laughs> Man, I we're actually... going to have to put Shag down. There's just nothing else we can do. <laughs> I actually did not post on Firestorm Fan for uh, a little over a week. And uh, that hasn't happened, I think, since I launched the blog. So uh, it was bad. So. Yeah, I'm just going to mention that you know the shrine never missed any posts, even when I was sick. I'm just going to point that out, dude. This was the flu. This was bad. You know what? I'm not going to do this with you. You know what? I'm above that nonsense. Um, so uh, you know what? I want to mention before we get started, uh, we did something recently called Animated Anthem Day, Woo! which was the brainchild of our good friend Diablo Frank. And, uh, folks, if you missed it, it was uh, a couple weeks ago, back in April, ourselves uh, and several other blogs. I want to say it was, what, 15 blogs? Something like that, yeah. We all posted uh, just a short little thing of basically YouTube videos of theme songs from our animated shows. Which ones did you run, Rob? I ran the the Aquaman one from the Superman Aquaman Hour of Adventure, which is like the greatest title of any show ever (laughs) Um, that, uh, that Filmation did. And uh, I did the one from their Justice League episodes because they did um, they did a Justice League show as well. Now Aquaman is in the Justice League credits, but he's not in the show for some reason. Um, mm. But uh, but yeah, he's there, but he's, he's he never appears in the show. So I ran those two themes, and they're cool. they're, they're they're wonderful. They're just, you know very catchy and 
very exciting with the great music and that guy I think it's Ted Knight doing Aquabat you know like I love that yeah King of the Seven Seas yeah he's great (laughs) Uh, I ran the two super friends uh, that are Super Friends, a legendary superpower show, and Superpowers Galactic Guardians, the, the last two seasons are there, because that first one was in both of those. In fact, first one got quite a cool uh, intro in that first one. I mean, they actually said, introducing Firestorm. Yeah, they made a big deal out of it. Well, yeah, I mean, come on, it's Firestorm. So, and but that was notice the show was canceled right after that. Okay, screw you, number one. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're going to take a count this show. I'm going to add a little thing every time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you may now turn the page. Um, anyway, so but that was fun. And, and again, 15 different blogs. You know, there's Adam cartoons. There's Hawkman cartoons. There's some made-up ones like Booster Gold ran a, a fictitious Booster Gold animated series. So it's fun stuff. Go out and look up Animated Anthem Day. We uh, tried to make some hubbub about it, and some people even joined us that weren't originally part of the crossover. So, fun Consi- stuff. Considering the news about the Booster Gold that just broke, I mean, I think the Booster Gold blog may have the may have the last laugh on both of us. What news? You heard about that? Like they've they've like uh, they've optioned that for a series or something. Well, that broke a while ago. I thought. Well, uh, it, unless, there seemed unless... to be new news or something because it was flying uh, around the other day. So it seemed like that was new. You know, maybe it got further along or something like that. So. I'm gonna to have to look into that. For for you eagle-eyed readers, you may have noticed there's a little friction going on between the Firestorm fan blog and the uh, Booster Gold blog right now. So can't we all just get along? We're all, it's all leading up to the uh, Firestorm Justice League International crossover coming up. So uh, it's carefully coordinated. Anyway. <laughs> Pulling back the veil a little bit, uh, I, I have to I have to mention this. I'm sorry, I have to mention one completely non-related thing, but it's so cool. Um, I just went to my comic shop yesterday, first time I've had strength to go in a week, and picked up a new Showcase Presents. Uh, it Showcase Presents the Spectre, and here I want to see if you can hear this noise. You ready? Listen close. Did you hear that? That is 600 pages of comic book being dropped. <laughs> this thing is thicker than a dictionary. It is it is unbelievable. It's uh it's only twenty bucks and it's you know, there's awesome Spectre stories like from Adventure Comics and stuff that you and I both like. It's uh those are, oh, I love those. They're so good. And he turns he turns a guy into a candle and lights him. Yeah. I mean how was that? <laughs> turns anyway. a guy into the block of wood and runs him through the buzzsaw. It's oh. fantastic. So anyway, I just I gotta recommend this, folks. It's over six hundred pages, nineteen ninety nine. If you can if you can handle your comics in black and white, which you should, you're a grown up now. Um, <laughs> it's it's Spectre, and I'm just so so excited about having this. And I couldn't believe the size of it when the when the owner of the comic shop pulled out. I'm like, holy crap! Yeah, say something about that. The Spectre, especially those stories from Adventure you just mentioned. Um, I love those stories. And then a couple of like I don't know, like ten fifteen years ago, they reprinted them in like mm-hmm. a deluxe package. And I bought that book, and it didn't. They didn't read the same. Like those stories don't belong on really nice paper. Oh, you talking I, about the the Baxter series, the Wrath of the Spectre, the three issue so, series? Where um, no, 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 no. They, well, there was that, but they also put it out as a trade, like oh. not that long ago, and they did it like on the shiny paper that they love okay. to use. And it just, it, I was like, I, I felt weird, like a luddite, but I was like, you know what? These really need to be read on kind of cruddy paper. It, there was something about the glossiness that sort of just I, I get that. Know, did something to it. Did you see the Spectre animated short? Yes. Yeah. I yeah love there's that. a good it's example. My favorite of, one, yeah. It's it's all grainy like an old movie film. Yep. Yep. Same kind of concept. Anyway, we're we're way off the reservation here. <laughs> <laughs> the Fire and Ghost podcast. Right. Oh, that'd be you know, that'd be great. We could drop Aquaman. Um and half our listeners. But uh yeah. Yeah. probably more than that. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> 
Um, okay, so we are going to uh, – it's, it's comic day, guys. It is. It's, it's comic week. Uh, we are going to be reviewing Aquaman number eight and The Fury of Firestorm, The Nuclear Man number eight. And uh, they're, just fair warning, big spoilers, folks. Big spoilers. If you haven't read your comics yet and don't want them spoiled – Go find a different podcast to listen to. Go re-listen to our Superpowers episode. It's worth it. Yeah, that was that was bad advice telling him to go listen to a different show, Shag. Right, so go, go back and listen to Superpowers. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, so uh, why don't we kick this off with the King of the Seven Seas, Rob? That's right. Uh, we've got Aquaman number eight came out this week. Uh, it's The Others Part Two. Uh, by uh, Jeff Johns, Ivan Reese, Joe Prado, Rod Reese, of course. This show opens uh, six years ago, and we see that people, uh, like the you know the news media, has discovered who this guy is, who Arthur Curry is. He's you know they're calling him the Aquaman in the newspapers. We see some newspaper headlines, and he's being hounded by the press. You know they want to come out, they come out, talk to us, blah blah blah, and he's just clearly not handling it well. Stephen Shin shows up, and everybody's like, oh, hey, that's the guy that discovered. Uh, the, the guy who discovered the man from Atlantis and they want to talk to him. Aquaman finally gets so irritated, he comes out, uh, tears his shirt off, so it's something there for the ladies, and uh, <laughs> he jumps into the water and basically disappears, leaving Stephen Shin to just stand there. And they see that um, Shin waited quite a long time because like a whole year passes. And then we sort of, so, so it was another flashback, but like a little bit less of a flashback. And we see Aquaman in what is going to, I guess, initially like his first superhero costume because he's got like the, the pants and the belt, and he's got some of the the bling, the necklace bling, and he's got the trident, of course. So obviously, a lot has happened in that one year span between when he jumps into the water and now when we see him here. And um, then they we flash forward <laughs> again to the present. And we are it, – it picks up where the last issue left off, which is uh, them, Aquaman and Mira and Yawara in Shin's house. And <laughs> it's a great moment where Mira is obviously a little irritated by all this back history that her husband has that she doesn't know about. And she's like, uh, the others? And Yawara says, we will never formally a team. And then Yawara says, but Arthur and I had a connection. And they cut to Mira looking pissed. And Aquaman goes, a telepathic one. And Mira's like, not better. <laughs> Let me t- – I got to interrupt. I, I showed this to my wife who doesn't care for comics at all. I showed her this set of panels and even she thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. Because the, the look they drew on Mira is, yeah. is a mixture of pissed and like, are you really saying these things yeah. in front of me? <laughs> I think we all know that look. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's just, it's funny to see. He may be the king of the seven seas, but he doesn't have a lot of game, I guess, in terms of uh, he's talking, <laughs> talking to his wife. Um, so anyway, Yuwara is convinced that Shin is involved in this plot with Black Manta. She thinks that, you know, the, he, he must be involved in this, and Shin says he isn't. And they kind of have this debate a little bit. And then so uh, Aquaman says he has to go look at the body. He has to go look at um, Kahina's body, the woman who was killed in the previous issue. And she, uh, he gets ready to leave. Just before he does, he promises Shin that if you were involved in this thing with Black Mana, the uh, Yawara's Jaguar gets fed. So <laughs> um, Aquaman says a nice little note to, to Mira. He takes off with Yawara, leaving Mira and Shin back in his house. And Shin is like, uh, I want to go back to work. And, and Mira's like, no, no, you're going to tell me how you're connected to Black Mana, and you're going to tell me everything you know about the others. So, like, she's she obviously wants to get caught up here. 
And then we flash back again to six years ago and we see Aquaman and the others in action. And they're somewhere in Russia. They're chasing after Black Manta. Um, he wants to just do that. And it's, this is in the middle of an avalanche. And the others want to save the, the villagers that are in danger of being killed by this avalanche. And he's not interested. He's just like, we got to chase after Black Manta. Um, and the others... Uh, say basically no we're going to go rescue these people they, they they ignore his orders and go and rescue these kids and one of them i guess the guy prisoner of war the guy with the hood on um creates some sort of force bubble which keeps the entire little village safe from this avalanche except for this one little kid that's been running aquaman sort of like reluctantly grabs her saves her from the avalanche and then he just dumps her in the snow <laughs> <laughs> he's not he's not great with women or children um right. So, so then uh, they realize that Black Manta has gotten away. Aquaman is a little pissed about that. But Kahina says, you know, I saw into the future and you find uh, something even better than getting Black Manta. You find happiness. And so then we flash back to the present and we see Kahina laying there dead. They're examining the body. Um, they get interrupted by a bunch of, it seems like, local soldiers open firing, uh, op- uh, opening fire on them uh, in the name of Black Manta. They say, kill them, kill them for Manta. And then that that ends that part with Aquaman and Manta. And then we flash um, across to Germany, and we see Black Manta again. And he says something like, "Yes, I'm here, and I found another." So obviously he has found another one of the others. And because then the, the 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 blurb is next, Black Manta stalks the prisoner of war. So there we go. That is Aquaman number eight. What did you think? Uh, it was a great comic. Uh, it just. Like you said, not, it's not that not a lot happens because there are a lot of things that go on in here. And yeah, a lot I guess of character I should say, yeah, I guess I should say, yeah. But it's just when, when you look at it as a whole, I think I made the comment last time was my fear was they were going to drag out a story that could be done in maybe three issues across like five is, is what mm. I feel like with this one. You know, I wouldn't want it all a one and done because there's enough character development here. I want to see that. But I just I'm again, I just feel like maybe it could be a little tighter. I don't know where because I do love every panel. And I think that's really driven by the art. It's beautiful. This guy said I run out of superlatives for these guys. I, I know, really but, but I think we got to acknowledge it in case someone hasn't listened to previous episodes. Yeah. This is this is probably the prettiest book DC's got out. It's just it's a gorgeous book. These guys are amazing. Yep. So absolutely love this book, the the, the art in this book. Um, as I said, I ha- oh, I'm sorry, as I said on the shrine, they make Black Manta look genuinely scary, which is hard because the guy's got a giant dome for a head. That's true. You know? That's very true. <laughs> um I've got comments just throughout here real quick. Um, so as far as the news media goes, I, I really study these pages closely. And only at two points is the name Arthur used. One time by Shin, one time sort of just off in the sky and you can't tell who says it. And I suspect that's Shin also. So I don't think the news media actually know him as Arthur Curry. They just no. know him as the man from Atlanta. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, you're right. Because Shin says Arthur twice. He says Arthur yeah. Wade, and then Ar- he says Arthur, and then Arthur Wade. So yeah. Um, and then if I'm if I'm guessing, I don't know. I'm sort of trying to put two and two together, which is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to wonder what's going on here. I'm starting to wonder if Shin revealing that that Arthur was you know the man from Atlantis was the reason that his dad was killed. Like, maybe Shin is to blame for Arthur's father's death. Hmm. That would explain a lot of Arthur's resentment towards him hmm. and hatred. doesn't explain the other's hatred towards him, but it explains Arthur's hatred towards him. That's for sure. Hmm. Uh, and then what the heck is up with Shin's neck? So obviously, this is where Shin's injury to his neck happens. Yeah, some, something happened because we see he's got the big Band-Aid on his neck. 
And in, in, some, in previous issues, we saw he had scarring there. Yep. So something happened to his neck, and clearly this was the time period that it happened. Unless he just scratches it a lot, maybe, and just it oozes or something. I will say one thing when you when you point this out. It occurs to me. It's um, in terms of the timeline, like it's uh, Joe um, uh, Joe Slab mentions on the comments today on the Shrine about like he's not great. He's not a big fan of limiting things by giving specific numbers. Like mm-hmm. you know, five years ago, six years ago, six years ago, and I agree because one of the things that occurs to me here is they're saying six years ago, like he's not Aquaman yet. Six years ago, right? But he will be Aquaman in about a year. Because yep. in, in five years ago was when Justice League starts. Correct. Right? So if if he's basically only famous a year longer than he's been in the Justice League, how did he get this reputation of being a super lame superhero that he has in the first issue? Oh, that must have happened during the five years of being in the Justice League. I guess, but what, but I mean but the way that they're being written over in Justice League, they're being, they're being written in that book like they are the Knights of the Round Table. So like how how does how does he gain a reputation of being lame while being part of the Justice League, which everybody which is like a team everybody reveres and wants to be part of? That just I mean maybe they'll get to that. It just seems strange. Like how did he manage to amass this bad reputation in just a couple of years while he's yeah. been with the JLA this whole time? Actually, there's a couple of time cuts here. I didn't think about it. The beginning is six years later. When he's with the others, it's six years later. Right, earlier. I'm sorry. Uh, in the beginning, it's six years earlier before he's Aquaman. Then when he's with the others, it's still six years earlier. Yeah. And then when he's jumping out of the water in front of the lighthouse towards the beginning in his costume, that's only five years earlier. Yes. So it's, it's a little tricky. Yeah. Now, the thing I think that really got on my nerves the most about this, um, any of the times, the older shots, whether it be six years or five years ago, no effing mutton chops. Okay? <laughs> I'm sorry. I paid for mutton chops. I put when I plunked down my two ninety nine and I want to see Aquaman from the past. I expect mutton chops. So. I guess you must be a big fan of Wolverine. I guess. I'm I'm just saying, Aquaman with mutton chops is like the coolest idea. So, <laughs> um, I often wonder why people underwater ever get haircuts at all, or yeah. they should either be bald or never get a haircut. Absolutely. It's that simple. I, I mentioned that to a friend once years ago that I thought that Aquaman made made the most sense of being bald, yeah. uh, and because you know the resistance of you know you don't want this hair dripping. And then he, then I think he was alluring me down into a path because he goes, would, he, would you keep the beard? And I said, yeah, I think maybe I'd keep the beard. And then he paused and he goes, so he'd look like you. <laughs> and I, was like, and I, I felt a little ashamed about that, I have to say. So. <laughs> and you should. You know, at least there's an ad for Justice League in here, and I get the mutton chops. So that's worth it. <laughs> so anyway. Start, start blurbing that on the cover. The mutton chops. <laughs> now content. including mutton chops. Yeah. Um, I do like how Aquaman threatens Shin with Jaguar because, like, I don't think Aquaman's kidding. No, no. Aquaman has a different philosophy of murder than the rest of us do, and I like when they show that. Yeah, well, another thing that I mentioned again on the on the Shrine, and if you ever bothered to read it, was uh, um, that, I, I, that, yeah, that clearly the uh, there is no um, Arthur Jr. in this new 52 universe there can't be because if manta killed arthur jr the way he did in the previous sort of incarnation there's no way aquaman there's no way manta would still be alive there just isn't i mean aquaman would have killed him but aquaman has killed manta for killing arthur jr a few times and he always comes back i mean i'm sorry in the previous continuity he killed no no he he sure as hell did no 
took him down to the bottom of the ocean and left him there, and then he, he came back all he like a never killed. He never killed. Yeah, but he never killed him. This he left him for dead. Yeah, but this is no, 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 no. This, as you just pointed out with the panther, this is Aquaman who's willing to to kill Stephen Shin, let a panther rip him apart. There's, I, I just don't believe that that, huh? that, that this manta. I, I right. I'm not writing off Aquababy yet. Okay, we don't. All right, we'll we'll. Why? Because we'll it got brought up in Brightest Day. That's why. I yeah, but that's adult. That's a different universe. Different universe. Same writer. I know, but so uh, okay. Uh, right. um, I'm not saying I'm glad about that. I'm just saying I just think that this is just a different. Well, Je- Jeff. I mean, after reading, I, I think I've told you I'm a huge JSA fan. I mean, Jeff likes to take everything, everything, and make, figure out a way to make all of it work. Okay. Well, and so, I mean, he could probably even make figure out how to make the stupid robotic parents work in the Aquaman history. But, um, but the Arthur Junior, I think I, I'm, I bet it's still in there, and Jeff's got the pieces figured out. In okay, his head. all right, we'll so, see. We'll see. Um, Prisoner of War, he's my favorite. Other, <laughs> you've already got yeah, a favorite. Yeah, Yawira is my favorite to look at. But Prisoner of War, Pig. I mean, what'd you say? Pig. Yeah. Um, but with the the dog tags and then, you know, when he does the, you know, I don't know, ring thing, do your thing, whatever. He claims the bracelets together mm-hmm. or the – maybe it's a Captain Marvel moment. And uh, and the chains connect mm-hmm. and that creates the force. That's just like the coolest. I was like, that's – because I didn't think I was going to like that character at all. I was like, he's got a hood. That's stupid. And then I, and then I saw this. I'm like, that's so freaking cool. They'll They'll make great action figures. Uh, hope so for somebody's sake. Hope somebody makes money off that. Yes. All right. And the last thing, Manta says, "Yes, I'm here. I found another." Who's he talking to? Uh, you know, I well, presumably he's got some sort of uh, boss. Not a boss, but he's got he's working with somebody, and he's got some sort of communicator in that giant dome of his. So yeah, he's he's clearly talking to somebody. I don't think it's going to be Shin because. Yeah, yes, clear. <laughs> We're going to Legion of Doom again. That'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Solomon Grundy, hear your communication, Black Manta. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's that's true. It's said. It, I don't think it's Shin, but there could be somebody else that they're. Uh, somebody pointed out that on the cover, um, the one guy is in the foreground who was that's um, Vostok, I believe. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. looks a lot like Ocean Master. The helmet is kind of Ocean Master-ish. The colors are all over Ocean. So, you know, uh, I'm not saying that that's what they're going to do, but I, it's just interesting to me that he does look to me a lot like Ocean Master. And apparently Aquaman doesn't have much patience for the guy's quiet or slow speaking. No. <laughs> he's, he's not a great team leader when the entire team basically says, no, nah, we're not going to follow what you're telling us. Right. To do. <laughs> he's got to work on that. Exactly. Um, one thing I, when I said, I always talk about how much we love the art. Um, and we do because these game, these guys are – and not only are they great artists, they're a great team. They clearly are working together really well. Um, but I want to specifically mention Rod Reese's colors um, mm-hmm. on page – what is it? One, two, three, four, the, the one where he jumps into the water. The first panel, there's this really very beautiful cloud effect, very nice and fine mm. Aquaman. And then the fourth panel of the water with all the different color tones, and they're just beautiful panels. They're really, That's really good. Beautiful. He, these guys are – just doing such an amazing job. I was just so impressed by it. I hope he gets a chance to do another couple of panels somewhere of the his dad. Mm-hmm. How they had those painted panels with his dad with like no lines. Yep, yep. Those those were great. And uh, the coloring also, by the way, really stands out on the subsequent page. It's the five shots of Aquaman's house over the seasons, mm-hmm. and the coloring 
really, I mean, the coloring is what conveys the the differences there, and it's really well done. Yeah, it's very yeah, it's 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 just wonderful all around. Um, you know, I somebody on uh, they did an article on Aquaman and Braid in USA Today, which just think about that for a moment. Um, yeah. But uh, the the writer started off with saying clearly Jeff Johns is trying to expand the mythos of this character the way he did for Green Lantern, and yeah, I think that's exactly what he's doing. He's he's trying to give this character a greater sense of history that the character never got in the seventies. You know, mm. like all the other characters got to build those build those mythos mythoses. Um, uh, when they had their solo titles, and since Aquaman didn't have a solo title, he really didn't get that chance. And I think that's what Johns is doing. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's what it seems yeah. like to me. So I'm, you know, we're just moving along at a good rate, and I'm, I'm thrilled to see where it's, uh, you know, see where it's going. I, I'm so still amazed at how successful this comic is doing. I mean, it deserves it, but I, it, it, it just makes me so happy. You know, after all these years, Aquaman's selling so well. Yep. Yeah, and and it's reflected on like if you go to dccomics.com, they have a thing. They have these little graphics that say popular characters, and he's he's one of them. And he's basically he, <laughs> that's he, crazy. He's he's a little face that you can click and go to another page. And but you know, not that long ago, he would not have been one of those. All right, we're gonna move on to Firestorm number eight then. Woohoo! The Fury of Firestorm, the Nuclear Man number eight. Um, this is a very pretty comic book. And it is you, – you, you just sit back, Rob. It's plotted by Ethan Van Skyver and Joe Harris. I'm going to go have lunch, and I'll come back. All right. and then you can Written by up. Joe Harris, art by Ethan Van Skyver, colors by Hi-Fi, and uh, then skip over – just move it on real quick. Uh, then it goes down to my favorite little bit, Firestorm, created by Jerry Conway and Al Milgram. <laughs> I'm, it just makes me so happy that that's in every issue. So, uh, great team this issue. Um, you guys may remember Ethan Van Skyver, who has been the co-plotter, co-writer of the book since its inception, decided to draw issues seven and eight. And uh, next issue, we'll have Yildar Aysenar back, who is one of our favorites as well. So, uh, this time out, uh, this is, according to the cover, introducing the menace of Firehawk and Hurricane, which I'm a little confused about because they weren't really very menacing. <laughs> You know what this reminds me of, actually? It's back in the 80s. Um, the editors used to write the cover copy. Like, the artists would draw it, but the editors would do the cover copy. Like, Blue Devil, I, I talked to the guys who wrote Blue Devil, and, like, every time, like, I'd talk about some of, the, some of my favorite covers and some of my favorite lines in there, and they said every single bit on the covers was written by the editors that they didn't do. You know, so I, I got to wonder if that was written by maybe an editor or something, because the, saying introducing the menace of just doesn't make a lot of sense. As we know, hey. sometimes editors. Get a little out of hand. Happens. So, all right. Um, I got to tell you guys, the first word, the very first word in this comic book made the 299 pennies I paid for it all worth it. In fact, it's made every penny I've paid for this entire series worth it. Oh, my. And the first word is Ronald. You know who that is, my friend? Do you know who calls Ronnie Raymond Ronald? Uh, I, oh, God. I, I didn't. Okay. I don't know. Pressure. Uh, Martin Stein? Professor Martin Stein. That's who freaking calls him Ron. Ronald. I'm so excited. Oh, my gosh. Um, for those of you who haven't been reading the comic and are just hanging around because you love Firestorm, uh, Professor Stein has not been in this series. He's been dead since before issue one. And we've seen him in a couple of flashbacks, and they haven't always been flattering because they've been told from the perspective of a bad guy. Um, but this is the first time that... We see, and you know, we don't know for sure, but we're pretty sure that we see Professor Stein 
acting in the comic. I was so excited. I just was jumping up and well, okay, I had the flu. I wasn't jumping up and down. Yeah, it would be horribly inconsistent. I was in my mind. I was jumping up and down. So okay, um, just to do a quick summary. All right, the gist of it is this comic is set in two different locations. There is a series of scenes that take place in Quarac. There's a series of scenes that take place in Paris. Throughout the comic, they're switching back and forth. During my recap, I am not going to switch back and forth because that would be confusing as heck. So I'm just going to, like, you know, like, for example, if I were to try and tell you about a storyline where it's jumping backward and forward in time and stuff, and, you know, that might be confusing. <clears throat> uh, so I'm going to make it a little easier on you, listener, and break those sets up and go through them. It's funny that you said I'm going to make it easier on you, listener. Yeah. Single, which I think that is. Uh, it's like one uh, person. Ah, uh, uh, I was just implying that you made it hard on the listeners. That's all. In case that wasn't really obvious. All right. <laughs> all right. We're going to cover Quirac first. In Quirac, um, Pozar, Mikhail Arkadin, has just freed Ronnie. If you recall, at the end of last issue, he had freed Ronnie from captivity. And uh, Ronnie had just lost his left arm. We're still not entirely sure whether that was cut off or, like, blew off because Ronnie's pumped full of all this energy. Uh, Pozar is just wasting, just trashing these rogue Firestorm protocols. These are the Quiraki, um terrorists that have taken on some of the Firestorm abilities, but they've done it sort of in the improper process, so they're imperfect is uh, kind of the phrasing. So he is just trashing them totally. And, and Ronnie is a mess. He's laying on the ground. He's just suffering. Uh, Pozar's kind of like almost baiting him, kind of going like, you know, I, I hope you're still with me. We've got stuff to do. This is where the fun begins, stuff like that. And then, then it happens. There's like a red haze, and you hear, you need to focus, Ronald. And Ronnie's like, who? And then you see a face in the clouds. It's just barely an image, but you can see a nose, a mouth, and a pair of freaking glasses. Dude, imagine if Topo the Octopus showed up. You'd be so excited. I'm okay. I'm laughing because well, I should should let the listeners in on this. Um, we have as like kind of a set time limit for how long we can do these recaps. And <laughs> Shag, we are like a good chunk into the Firestorm segment, and we're on page two. Oh, you're full of crap. I like just started. Your Aquaman thing took forever. <laughs> All right, so. And, you know, honestly, I could stop right now. I've said everything that I, like... All right, well, great. Let's do listen. We'll do the break, and then we'll go do listener feedback. That's great. So, anyway, no. thanks for listening. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Shut up, man. No. Um, it was so exciting to see Professor Stein for me. Okay. I'll, I'll yeah, I think it. we know that. All right. God so, help us that Blue Devil was in this book. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> so, uh... Then we go on. Pozar's interrogating one of the uh, rogue Firestorm protocols. And Ronnie, you know, you, you don't realize if he's back on his feet and he actually disintegrates the rogue protocol right in the middle of the interrogation. And Pozar's kind of like, wow, look at you. And <laughs> so one of the neat things is there's some symbology, I guess. Is, I don't know if I made that up. Going on here, you see. You definitely made that up. Okay. A new logo. It's, it's like the Firestorm logo, which is, you know, the ball of, the, like the big ball with the three little balls shooting off. Um, let's call those rays instead. Yes. Uh, with three little rays shooting off. Well, here you see a combined one. It's it's the large fiery ball, and there's three rays shooting off from each side. It's sort of like Fury's chest emblem, which implies a merged firestorm, which implies not just one firestorm but two here. And so you, you, we see this a few times uh, throughout the comic now that Ronnie is back on his feet and is just kicking butt. So something has happened. So Ronnie's on his feet, cracking with energy. Uh, and the neat thing is Ronnie hasn't even transformed back into Firestorm. 
So he's using his powers, and he hasn't even transformed back into the full flaming head or anything. And he has a conversation with Pozar, and uh, basically Pozar is just sort of leading Ronnie down the path, sort of like the Emperor and Darth Vader. And uh, by the end, Ronnie's agreed he wants to kill more enemies. So that's you know that's kind of a scary moment that Ronnie's heading down that path. So that that pretty much covers the Quaraki storyline. Um, in Paris, Jason is sent there by Zither to stop an uh, again rogue Firestorm protocols. And uh, he's created this kind of cool electronic eyepiece that he's wearing. It's uh, like a little electronic telescoping lens. And I'm glad they did this because I always wondered about this. Why Firestorm, with his reconstruction powers, never created just like fancy machines to help him do everything. He could just create a whole, you know, manufacturing line of helpful machines. (laughs) The Firestorm line of products. Right, exactly. And uh, so I'm glad to see Jason, you know, being the smart one, created, uh, you know, like a little telescoping thing. Clever. So he's using that to keep an eye out on um, the park surrounding the Eiffel Tower. He's watching for Quackby terrorists, because, or watching for rogue terrorists, because, you know, if they're going to attack Paris, they're going to attack the Eiffel Tower. That's kind of what you do, you know. So he stops an old lady who he mistakes as a rogue. And the, but she directs him to a true rogue. So he goes over there, and he's about to attack the rogue. But he's intercepted by da, 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 the new Firehawk. So we get to meet, for the first time, the French Firehawk. And let me tell you, no pun intended, she's a hottie. Um, super cute. And so and she actually – there's some cute banter between her and Jason. She uh, – she use in French. She calls him little, like small. At one point, it's like you're small for a rogue. And then later on, she calls him little rascal. It's kind of cute. So um, there's some fun banter there. And then we also meet Hurricane, which is the um, British Firestorm. And yes, he does have sort of a Union Jack in his chest, which is super cool that they took the Firestorm logo and the Union Jack and figured out a way to kind of combine the two. It's really cool. But by the way, Hurricane um, Ultra Magnus called and he wants his headpiece back. But anyway, <laughs> I actually, I like, I, I really dig hurricane. I'm just teasing, but so I kid the hurricane. I live in Florida. I face hurricanes all the time. So anyway, so uh, it's crazy down there. We know <laughs> hurricane, uh, schools, Jason sort of on power usage. I mean, cause hurricanes clearly really in touch with his powers, knows what he's doing. And Jason's kind of like, man, I am, I am not pulling this together. I'm in, in over my head. And then uh, throughout, uh, by the way, I should mention throughout this, Jason's got some inner dialogue going on where he's having a make-believe conversation with Ronnie. And like in his head, he's, he's not so much a conversation, but he's just kind of, he, he's uh, really beating on Ronnie in his head, basically being like, Ronnie, you're not serious. You can't, you can't keep it straight. You know, all this stuff. And he, he's really coming down on Ronnie hard in his head throughout the whole issue. Um, so Hurricane and Firehawk swoop in to stop this rogue Firestorm. Um, Firehawk actually uh, saves the pedestrians. Well, Hurricane goes after the rogue Firestorm. They manage, or I should say specifically Hurricane, totally zaps the guy, no problem. I even like how he says here, saved you frogs again. I like that because, you know, <laughs> that's fun. Uh, and then Ron, uh, Jason, Everybody likes picking on the French. They did easy targets. Um, but again, did I mention Firehawk's hot? So Jason then realizes, wait a minute, there's a problem. And that old lady he stopped earlier mistakenly turns out to be another rogue Firestorm protocol. Dun, dun, dun. I know, thank you. And he goes, she runs out underneath the Eiffel Tower and detonates. Jason doesn't get to her in time. This, uh, he has a big energy flash, kind of loses focus. What I think that is is the same moment that Ronnie totally starts kicking butt in Quarak. Since there's kind of a connection between Jason and Ronnie, I think that's what it is because we see that same symbol 
symbolature again. Um, <laughs> it's a word. Look it up. Uh, of the of the three rays on each side coming out. So I think that's what causes Jason to misfire and everything. So he misses the rogue protocol, blows up underneath Eiffel Tower. Firehawk's trying to hold that rogue protocol in place. She can't hold the explosion, and it starts to tear down the Eiffel Tower. Uh, so it is collapsing on the people underneath. Jason is transforming bits of it to Rose's petals to try and stop um, the damage, and that is where we are left. It is collapsing down, and uh, there's a lot of people in jeopardy. So, very exciting issue. Um, Joe Harris continues to do a phenomenal job on the script. I mean, it's this script is leaps and bounds um, above where we were when the series started. You know, no offense to Gail Simone. I think she's a great writer. I just think that Joe Harris is a great fit for this book. Uh, he's doing a great job. Him and Ethan obviously click well. Ethan's art is gorgeous. I, I got to say, I think this is probably some of Ethan's best work, in my opinion. Um, he's got amazing panel layout throughout the whole book. It's just a really gorgeous book. Um, I, I can't say enough good things about it. I have to say, I don't. I couldn't help but notice, like we, you know, we know like um, of Ethan Van Skyver's um, political views, and he, yes. he doesn't hide them. And yes. so I have to think when he, when the Eiffel Tower got blown up, I have to think there was uh. just a little bit of like, kind of like wish fulfillment of like, you know, because the, I mean, everybody picks on the French, but definitely I think conservatives tend to like really pick on the French. That's and hilarious. So, so I have to think when the when the Eiffel Tower blew up, that was just Ethan Van Skyver just having a laugh. Just kind of like, ha ha, we're going to blow up the Eiffel Tower. I think that's hilarious, and I think you might be onto something. Yeah. So. <laughs> don't send any mail. Don't. I'm just, it's just an observation. Just put it on Ethan's Facebook and ask him. He'll yeah, tell you. He's, he'll, he's, he'll, he's straightforward. He'll probably man. own right up to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so. Ethan's a straight shooter of that stuff. <laughs> um, and by the way, he, he is one of the most approachable uh, creative people at DC. Now, your guys with Aquaman apparently are great too, but just Ethan, so I, I can't speak for them. But with for, as far as creators I've worked with, Ethan is just—he's totally—he'll tell you straight up, mm-hmm. you know. So I really, really dig that about him. <clears throat> um, there's some more symbolature. There's a cool moment where uh, the, they're they're on the grass of the Eiffel Tower, just looking around, and this little kid looks up at the sun, and there's those three rays coming off the side of the sun to represent firestorm because uh, Jason happens to be standing, you know, floating in front of the sun, which I thought was cool. Uh, I love – I mentioned Hurricane. Um, he's a cool character. He's a really interesting character. He, he, I originally thought he was really bulky, like a big old guy, but then later on he's, he's kind of skinny. So he's, he's kind of – I don't know. All the way around, I just think he's cool. He's very nimble. I like his colors. I like the design, like on his stomach piece. looks very Kirby-esque. Mm-hmm. It's very cool. So I'm interested to learn more about him. I am curious about his accent, though. It's it's bugging me because I guess I watch too much British television. So I you know I know all these different you know Londoner accents and Cockney accents and what they call posh accent, and I can't figure out which one he has, and it's really bugging me. Hmm. So yeah, that maybe that's just me. But um, there's a great panel of Jason sitting there fuming, quite literally. Um, I don't know the page numbers here, but it's after he's kind of getting schooled by Hurricane, and it's this panel where Jason's head's kind of at the bottom, and up above him, his flames are just going up and you can see all the smoke and the and the flame roiling above his head that is a gorgeous panel absolutely i don't know if you've got that panel in front of you or not rob but it's just a the the way the flames go up it's just i think it's breathtaking there is some nice yeah there is some nice stuff in there the color that who hi-fi is the colorist hi-fi yeah brian miller is the man behind that but yeah it's hi-fi color yeah they do Uh, some really nice really nice stuff here 
they do great stuff. Um, they they used to do the covers, and now they're doing the interiors. And he's also a super nice guy, by the way, Brian Miller. Um, so yeah, Hi-Fi is they're some of the best, absolutely some of the best. <coughs> um, you know, at this point, it's probably worth mentioning um, about Ethan Van Skyver. I've said a lot of things about him here, and it if you haven't seen the news, you should be aware that he has officially left Firestorm. Uh, he announced it just a couple weeks ago on his Facebook page. It wasn't an official announcement for DC. seemed kind of sudden, uh, but he says he's moving on to go work on Green Lantern. In fact, I saw him say something about he's going to work on the Sinestro Corps. So I don't know if that was like Sinestro Corps getting their own series or something. That'd be kind of cool. Hmm. But uh, he is leaving Firestorm. I don't know exactly what issue will be his last. I mean, they've solicited all the way through 11 already, and he's still associated with the book at that point. I know he's plotted far ahead with Joe Harris, but he has uh, announced he's leaving the book, which is uh, which is a shame. So I hate to see him go. I wish him the best. He's been great for the book. He's been a great supporter of my site. He's uh, been a super cool guy, you know. So I do know that um, he said that Joe Harris and Yildiray Sonar will continue on with the book. Yay! A great writer, great artist, so Firestorm's in wonderful hands. He's been very supportive of Joe and Yildiray both, and uh, that's uh, noteworthy that how supportive he's been. And, uh, you know, I wish him the best, you know? Rob, what are your thoughts on the issue? I've talked nonstop, sorry. I was just excited. Well, it's, it's, that's the way this show goes. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to, to Ilderay coming back, definitely. Still my favorite element to it. Um, I like that they brought in, brought back Firehawk. I always liked that character. Um, I mean, it was like a different version, obviously. Um, that's, you know, that's about all I had to say. I'm, I'm still, I, I'm, I'm curious to see where the book goes under Joe Harris alone and Ilderay being back full time. I, I, I have some difficulty just staying focused on this title just cause it, there's just so much craziness going on and it just doesn't resonate with me as much. Um, the next issue, just league international shows up. That ought to be fun. And like I said, I'm, I'm, Interested to see where it goes under kind of a new creative team. So uh, you know, I'm I'm still on board. By the way, it's worth thanks for bringing up JLI. I forgot to mention that. Yeah, next. Uh, by the way, Matchheads, um, you need to pick up Justice League International number nine real soon when it comes out. Uh, I mean, you don't have to, I should say, but it, it will help. <laughs> I command you. Do it, darn it. So pick up Justice League International number nine. It starts the story that will be picked up again in Firestorm number nine. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I can't wait for Firestorm number nine because I can't wait to see Gilderay drawing Guy Gardner and Booster Gold and Fire. And, I mean, it's just – it's going to be cool because I, I love Justice League International. I think I've told you before. I love that title. Yes. And seeing Gilderay draw those characters on top of Firestorms and everything is going to be just totally awesome. Yeah, that'll be fun. I remember one of my eight favorite issues of the original Firestorm series – well, not the original original, but the one – the Fury of Firestorm was like in the fourth issue where the Justice League showed up. Right. Where he fought Killer Frost. Like, that was fun. You know, like, oh, the JLA's in this one. So, you know, it's 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 not exactly the same team this time, but it's close. So, And I dig these little crossovers. There, there, a lot of the titles in DC are doing it this month uh, around the issue 9 mark mm-hmm. is where they're kind of crossing over. And I think that's cool. I, yeah. I, I much prefer a storyline where one or two comics cross over than the giant event. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm enough with the giant events. Enough. Yep. Enough. So... <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, now that you mentioned that, <laughs> you did see the stuff about Trinity, right? Yeah, the Trinity I did. War. Yeah, I know. There is a big crossover coming, folks. If you haven't uh, seen the news, it's okay. called Trinity War. Mm. Uh, we'll hear about it on Free Comic Day, but uh, we don't we don't know much about it except that if if we're looking at the imagery right, 
Vibe is back. Then, well, I, I take it all back. That makes it all worth it if they can bring Vibe back. Vibe from Justice League Detroit, my friends. Too so. not bad, too sad. <laughs> and I can't wait to see him, and I can't wait to see uh, you know what his powers, you know, the symbology uh, with his powers. Oh, we're just gonna just keep on that. That okay. word's just gonna get hammered into okay, the ground until it just shows up on um, Urban you know, Dictionary. I guess if the Simpsons can put Imbigan and Cromulent into the culture, we can get symbology in there. I guess. What? What? <laughs> I haven't even heard of those. You never heard those words? No. Don't you watch The Simpsons? I don't. Oh, what's actually. the matter with you? I don't have anything against them. They but... have two... Oh, excuse me. Merriam-Webster, hello. You have an entry for symbology. What, really? That's an the actual word. of expression by symbols. Wow. All right. Well, I take it back. I guess that is a real word. It just sounds Wait. completely nonsensical. That, om- that almost sounded like an apology. Almost. That's as close as we're going to get. <laughs> and with that, folks, I think we're going to go to break. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good time so we can both cool down and go to our respective corners. Um, cut me, Nick, cut me. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we're going to – during the break, we're going to have a fun little song courtesy of our pal Luke Dobb. But when we come back, we're going to do listener feedback. So uh, join us in a second. Hi, this is Rodriguez, color artist on Aquaman, and you're listening to the Fire and Water Podcast. Listeners, feedback! All right, folks, and we are back. Um, That song, as uh, Rob said, was by Luke Dobb, and it was about, sadly, uh, the death of Aquaman's son. So if you haven't read The Death of the Prince trade paperback, um, go pick that up, read that trade paperback, and play that song over and over and over while you read it. So. Yeah, that's, that makes for a fun afternoon. Um, yeah. It is annoying how talented Luke is. <laughs> Luke has a lot of different talents, and he seems to be very good at all of them. So it's kind of frustrating, really. By the way, we should point out, we have two major supporters named Luke. We've got yes. Luke Dobb, 
and we've got Luke Giaconetti. And it gets confusing. So here, here's how I keep them straight. Luke Giaconetti, I, as Rob just did, we'll do it again. Giaconetti. Right. I always think of him as, as Rob put it one time, the cop on the edge. <laughs> like, you, know, you cross the line one more time, it'll be your badge, Giaconetti. So that's how I keep him straight. Then Luke Dobb, I always, I always struggle with that one. So you know what? It sounds a lot like Lloyd Dobbler to me. So to me, he's John Cusack. <laughs> I think that's worse, th- worse things uh, to be called, I guess. Right. Um, so That's how I keep him straight. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we are going to cover the feedback from uh, – we've got two episodes of feedback to cover here. We actually need to cover the feedback from episode 16, which was our reviews of the issue number sevens. And uh, then we're going to cover the feedback from episode 17, which was our superpowers episode. Our very popular superpowers episode. Yes, it was. Uh, we asked you guys. We said, hey, let us know if you guys want us to do another one. And let me tell you, a resounding yes. We got a ton of feedback from y'all, which we greatly appreciate, y'all. The feedback means the world to us. The fact that we got so much feedback about the superpowers episode has got Rob and I totally energized. Uh, we're already plotting and working out how we're going to do the next one. I have used the positive comments as justification for buying all the superpowers toys again. So I've, Seriously. I've spent ten to twenty thousand dollars on all the mint in package uh, toys. So thank you all. Wow. <laughs> thank thank you Kickstarter, I guess. Huh? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> glad to know where my money's going. <laughs> anyway, so uh, mint on card cyclotron totally worth five thousand dollars. Golden Pharaoh, I didn't know he cost that much. <laughs> so uh Anyway, thank you guys. Keep the feedback coming. We absolutely love it. Uh, we will do everything we can to read your, uh, your, your comments, if, not, if at the very least your name on the show. Uh, it, again, it helps to build this community of match heads and water logs. And, That's still uh, not approved. Right. I understand that. <laughs> it's got that unapproved symbol on it. Uh, but it, it helps to build this community of fans. And, you know, we, we're, I, I feel like we're all kind of getting to know each other. Some people are commenting back and forth to each other. We're sort of built like I didn't know Lee Novak before this. But now I feel like, you know, I know him quite well based on all our comments back and forth. So it's just it's great. Please keep the cards and letters coming. So. <laughs> I love that old timey phrase. Cards and letters. Coming. That's letterman. Always me. I always yeah. think cards and letters coming. <laughs> All right, well, um, kick us off. We're going to start. Well, we got a lot of email from um, Dazzler Frank, and we can't read it all, but he did mention a couple things. Dazzler. <laughs> uh, regarding um, episode 16, which was our reviews, as Shake said, of the number sevens. I like he said, the point number one was the cat lady from Warlord, which is which we kept referring to. The cat lady from Warlord equals Shakira. Break out the effing who's who's voice. <laughs> <laughs> point taken, Frank. Um, he said he also wrote Aquaman doesn't like or trust Shin, so wouldn't you want to keep the guy on the defensive? Yes, absolutely, that makes sense. He still thinks Shin's got gills, which you know we see that he's got that boo boo on his neck, so maybe so. Um, he also tracked down Aquaman's. Uh, sales figures. We were we had that discussion in number sixteen, and Shag was talking about well, you know, it matters. You know, yeah, positioning is great, being in the top ten, but you want to be selling more, you know, than you were previously or whatever. So and and so these are the breakdowns of the numbers. Number one sold seventy two thousand copies. Number two sold seventy one thousand, which is great. That's a very tiny drop off um, from one to two. Um, number three sold sixty two thousand. Number four sold fifty eight thousand. So we're kind of going in the wrong direction there. Fifty five. Number five sold sixty five thousand, and number six sold sixty three. So there was kind of back up. So 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 far, Aquaman's been very consistent um, yeah, sales wise, he- which is good. That's that's a good harbinger that the, you know the people that are reading the book are jo- enjoying it issue to issue. I mean, if you look at it from number one to number six, there's about a nine thousand drop off, which is 
very small uh, yeah. and, and, and compared to other books. I mean, I, I don't particularly want to talk about Firestorm's numbers, but the drop-off there was dramatic. Right. You know, right. Um, between one and six. Now, I'll tell you, there, what may not be in here, and I'm not sure, um, not questioning Frank's numbers, but just as far as what everything's spread across is, there was also multiple printings of Aquaman. So there may be even more copies of number one sold, like a second printing of Aquaman. Mm-hmm. Like That's that. true. So. Yeah. Next up is from Daniel Cynical Adams, the uh, along with his band of Bad Man Pajamas, is the composer of our wonderful uh, end theme song. Woohoo! Um, uh, this was, without a doubt, my favorite... Oh, he's talking about the Superpowers episode. This was, without a doubt, my favorite episode. Please do part two. There you go. And although I forgot to mention that the Superpowers Penguin action figure is one of my all-time favorite figures in any line. Why must you guys hate the things I love? Why? <laughs> <laughs> He's taking, Daniel's taking it a little personally, but I I understand. Uh, I, you know, if you love superpowers figures, you should uh, the superpowers penguin figure. You should run with it, Dan, and, and be be proud of it. Don't be ashamed of your love. Yeah, I mean, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, our buddy Lee Novak over on the Firestorm fan site left us a comment about uh, episode 16, which again was our reviews of the number seven issues. He said, another great episode as always. Keep up the fantastic work there, Shag and Rob. They spelled Rob with two Bs. I love that. Um, just something to think about here. Ronnie lost an arm, or, or most of one. Slipknot lost an arm. <gasps> Coincidence? I think not. Look for the new 52 buddy book. <laughs> I can't say it. Armed and Dangerous. <laughs> Starring Firestorm and Slipknot to debut this summer. It really Ooh. should be unarmed and dangerous, I guess. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's Lee Novak gets our, uh, I don't know, our Fire and Water Prize of the Week the for no that one. The No Prize. We'll have to come up with the No right. Prize. There we go. The Steam Prize. Um, <laughs> it's right, Steam, because it's vapor and it's nothing. <laughs> you can't touch it. It's not tangible. He gets our Steam Award. There it is. We just made that up. And it's a thing now. Um, James dropped me a co- dropped a comment, asked a question. He said, uh, interesting yet a small detail. Ronnie's mother, uh, Ronnie's mother is given a first name. I think it's Joanne. He said he didn't have the issue in front of him to check. Says, uh, he asked, was, was Ronnie's biological mother ever, ever named in the original series? And to answer that, I don't believe she was, James. Um, oh, you know what? She totally was. Uh, Let me just go back on what I just said. Yeah, I'll have to look that up, James. I'll, I'll have to send it to you. I want to say it's like Elaine or something like that, but I think I'm making that up. Elaine, anyway. Elaine he, Firestorm, that was her name. He was taken back when he found out that the new 52 Mrs. Raymond was not Felicity. Now, here's here's the part I can address. All right. Ed Raymond married a young lady, um, and uh, she died she, in a car bombing. She was murdered by a gangster because uh, of Ed's journalistic background. Then Ed remarried and married a, la- a lady named Felicity. So, really, Felicity was Ronnie's stepmother. So, that's where that uh, deviation might come from. So, uh, while Rob is reading the next comment, I am going to figure out who um, Ronnie's mother was. <laughs> um, yeah, we got another comment from Lee Novak uh, concerning the Superpowers episode. He wrote, by the way, Rob had a moment of sheer genius, thank you, when he suggested uh-uh. the train. <laughs> I thought you were walking. I thought you weren't, weren't at the desk. Um, when he suggested the transparent Dr. Stein head on a stick as an accessory to the Firestorm figure. In fact, I think I have an idea for my Halloween costume this year. Thanks, Rob. <laughs> that I want to see. Lee, if you do that, please send us a picture of that. That would be awesome. Then we go on to Frank had some comments here. Frank, by the some, way. Some. <laughs> on the Superpowers episode, Frank gave us more comments than he has 
ever done. He outdid himself, ladies and gentlemen. A round of applause for Diablo Frank, please, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, he gave us 59 bulleted comments. Oh, my gosh. Which, folks, by the way, are all worth reading. You should absolutely go to um, – these are on Firestorm Fan. You should absolutely go out there and check them out. I picked out a couple of them that I just wanted to mention real quick here uh, that I think are great. What if it was? I never had an Aquaman. He seemed kind of lame. <laughs> Which he later on followed up with. Never owned a Firestorm. He was cheesy looking. <laughs> Love that, Frank. Um, and then he actually provided something useful here, uh, where he said, because you know normally Frank, it's, you know it's Frank. Come on, really. Um, where he talked about. He said, uh, further superpowers reading related to this podcast introduced me to the Cyborg mini-comic. Thought I'd share. And he, uh, he gave us a link to it. And I didn't realize that, yeah, Super, uh, Cyborg, even though he was in Wave 3, had a mini-comic that was only produced in other countries. So, God. very crazy. Next up, our friend Luke Giaconetti, um, who runs the Bean Carter Hall blog which is a Hawkman blog. He uh, also left us some great comments, and I'm just going to go through a few of these here. He wrote in, um, my brother had a Hawkman, and I so wanted him. And even though he never used him at all, he he was, quote, his guy. So I was never allowed to play with him. I eventually got a hold of him when I got all the Superpowers toys, and now he stands tall on my shelf of Hawkman toys. One of the first posts I did on being Carter Hall was my retrospective on the Superpowers Hawkman toy. So it sounds like... The machinations of his brother are to blame for Luke's weird obsession with Hawkman to me. But And it could be the reason Luke so frequently goes over crosses the line. That's right, right. And almost loses his badge. Yes. <laughs> it goes on, my brother had a Calabac, but unfortunately his arm action came off uh, so the action arm came off his body. For years we assumed the Calabac's arm was behind the hutch in my brother's room. So when my brother moved out, we moved that hutch, expecting to find Calabac's arm. And nothing. So the mystery of Calabac's arm raged on. Eventually, my brother found it, and Calabac was rearmed once again. <laughs> I love that. It was an ongoing thing. Every year at Thanksgiving, it was awkward at the, at the Jack and Eddie house about this Calabac arm. I imagine it was. So. <laughs> uh, another comment he left us says, Cloth capes were the greatest thing ever. I remember back in the day in junior high, Wizard Magazine used to constantly harp on how Toy Biz would use plastic capes on their Marvel toys and pine for the return of cloth capes. And the way that and the way that they were each unique and even more amazing. I don't have any of the cloth capes for any of my figures, and they're hard to find, even on eBay. So I feel your pain, Shag, as my Doctor Fate is also lacking a cape. I just thought that was you know we had a little conversation on cloth capes versus vinyl capes, and I thought that was worth pointing out. I, it's funny, I'm really torn on the cloth cape versus vinyl cape. Uh, I think a lot of times vinyl shaped capes look better, but cloth capes, you know, they kind of flow in the wind when you're flying. So. Yeah, they clearly are easily lost because, like, I went and looked up, like, Dr. Fate superpowers figures on eBay, and, like, the first 20 for sale don't have the cape. They're all just trying to keep me from having a cape. Apparently. You know what I did do for a while there? I stole my uh, Robin. Oh. <laughs> I had a Robin that had a, a cape, a cloth right. cape. Right, right. Black on one side, yellow on the other, so I gave that to Dr. Fate. He looked pretty, pretty freaking fly. There you go. Cool. All right. Uh, as far as Super Friends Superpowers toys in the DC Universe Classics line, for the Superpowers anniversary, they did a whole bunch of these toys, including El Dorado, Black Vulcan, Samurai, Golden Pharaoh, and Cyclotron. I'm telling you, i got to go buy this Golden Pharaoh. Here. That's great. <laughs> there was also a build-up figure of Apache Chief. I think that's awesome. I, I I I knew there was a Cyclotron, but I didn't know there was all these other ones. So that's freaking cool. We may have to get Eldorado figures for Christmas for each other because those are great. 
Um, <laughs> gift of the Magi. Exactly. Uh, really quick, Cyborg was actually not painted with shiny paint. He was an early figure with vac metal, uh, as was Brainiac. Toy Biz would really run with this concept in the 90s, including an awesome Iron Man toy line, which used the vac metal as well. Uh, I actually had some of those Iron Man. I had uh, the War Machine, and he was friggin' cool. And uh, all the silver vac metal he's talking about is, is really super, super cool. So he wrote, uh, good show, dudes. If you're not busy later, we're going to meet up at the Golden Pharaoh for off order, which is great. Rob made the comment that Golden Pharaoh sounds like a restaurant, like a Golden Corral kind of I'm thing. I'm picturing like a buffet, you know, like, some, like they got hush puppies and all kinds of, you know, and like a soft serve bar. <laughs> that's just sort oh of my how gosh. I picture sort of how I <laughs> If we ever exactly do a fire and water right. meetup, that's where we'll have to have it. It's going to be at the Golden Pharaoh. It absolutely is. <laughs> um, we got a comment from Keith Samra. Uh, he just wrote short and sweet. He wrote, totally my favorite toys ever. Totally sweet episode, guys. Thanks. All right, folks. Twitter. Uh, thank you to all our twitheads out there on Twitter for your support. And let me tell you, there was a ton of it this time. Y'all are the absolute best. I mean, whether it be retweeting or giving a shout-out, y'all are awesome. And our first Twitter shout-out this week goes to... Mr. Joe Harris himself. Joe Harris, the new writer on Firestorm, actually retweeted uh, a post about Fire and Water Podcast. So thank you, Mr. Harris. That's much appreciated. Also, thank you to Ben Avery, known as the Whispering Loon. Ronnie Ling, who's Captain Ahab 1313. Paul Bowler. Uh, Professor Allen. Hector Negrete. Uh, Negrete. Negrete. Damn it, I even had the phonetic. He sent out. us a clip. What is your problem? Negrete. Negrete is not that hard to say. You can't write long. A All right. Bauhaus 45. Look him up. He's a great guy. Love him. Actually, I really do. He's a great guy. I just can't apparently say his name. It's like nuclear. I can't say either one. All right. Retcon, who has the greatest screen name ever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, goes by Claymation Howell. Both of those are brilliant. Uh, Richard Taylor goes by Comic Heretic. Heretic. Andy, you have to help me out with How do you say it? Cap Capellish? Uh, I, I think it's Capellish. Capellish, uh, which is just Capellish over there on Twitter. Lee Novak, which is Lee Novak 16. Keith G. Baker, which is KGBUNC. Randy Caldwell, which is Mr. Perturbed. Bat Pod Podcast. Uh, Corey Hodgton, who is High Rock. R. Baron, which is the Robber Baron. I love that. R. Baron. That's clever. Ryan DaCosta, who goes by Ryan DC 2814. Jonathan I. Ezor, who's Professor Jonathan. Jerome Liamzon, who is J.P. Liamzon, Dennis P., which is Dennis Priest, or Prest, and Raul Cotto. <laughs> I love his name. Raul Cotto Verified. <laughs> like that. <laughs> Very official sounding. All right. Uh, so that's Raul Cotto over on Twitter. <laughs> um, <laughs> on Facebook, we also got some love on the guys from Kevin Culp, Robert Gross, Michael Trocoli, Robert Land, I think, L-E-Y-A-N-D, sorry. We got a great message from Trent Prime. <laughs> he says, wahoo, two shout-outs, baby. Listening to old episodes, episode six right now. Do you guys know that the Fireside Chat was a weekly radio address Roosevelt would make to the country? These days it would probably be a podcast. But anyway, um, yes, as a matter of fact, I did. I'm a big fan of uh, the former president and a, sort of a, you know, like a miniature historian. I've read, read many, many, many books. So, yes, and I listened to a great many Fireside Chats. We really could do our own version of like Firestorm Side Chat or something like that. <laughs> Um, <laughs> okay, America, to get open your copies of Firestorm number eight. <laughs> he just reads Firestorm to the country. Uh, that, that would be kind of sad, really. But anyway, yes. Uh, well, in the FDR voice, that might be actually pretty cool. Hello, America. Um, I don't even. It's, my Roosevelt's just not even Roosevelt anymore. It's just like generic 40s guy. Um, 
So, <laughs> thank you, Trent, for that little piece of piece of history. Um, we also got a comment from Tristan Hendricks. Been listening to your Fire and Water podcast. Keep it up, great work. I can't wait for issue number eight of Firestorm. So, thank you uh, all of you for uh, commenting on Fire on uh, Facebook. Elaine, Elaine was Ronnie's mom's. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Just drop that and it comes out of nowhere. As far as I'm just saying, just Shaggy saying Elaine. I was close. I, I think that's what I said a minute ago. We'll have to go back and check the tapes. But yes, uh, so Elaine was the mother. So yes, they've given her a different name this time around. So there you have it. Okay. Uh, thank you to our supporters over on Google Plus. <laughs> stop it. There are people who use Google Plus and they like it. Okay. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, Charles Niemeyer, Ed, uh, Edward the Unique Geek Crosby, and Hector Negretta. Nick, forget it. Negrete. 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 We just Negrete. said it like a minute earlier. Okay, I got it right the second time. Shut oh up. my God, you have like no Mr. Short-Term Memory. <laughs> I hate you so much. Uh, <laughs> Thank you to a couple of folks who gave us shout-outs on their blogs. Uh, our good buddy Luke Giaconetti gave us a very nice shout-out over on Being Carter Hall, ta- plugging our Superpowers episode. Thank you for that. Much appreciated. And uh, also, as always, thanks to Diablo Frank for mentioning us in his DC Bloodlines, his direct currents there. Thank you. We appreciate that. Going to read you a letter from the other side of the world, folks, from Mr. Ronnie Ling. Uh, good day, folks. All right, you know, I'm not going to try and do this in Australian accent. That's not cool. I think All that's right. a good idea. Uh, good day, fellas. Just wanted to drop you a line and say I've listened to the Fire and Water podcast since its inception and thoroughly enjoyed it. I appreciate the knowledge and commitment both of you blokes have and share. I also appreciate what you do as you help keep other parts of the world, like us in Australia, up to speed. We often have to wait for issues to be shipped out and can sometimes be up to a fortnight. He's clearly from somewhere else if he uses fortnight properly. Um, we don't get the opportunity that others get for the merchandise, and when we do, it's very limited and very expensive. But at least we're kept in the loop by a great ser- uh, by the great service you supply, and that's free. He's really nice. He's, he, wow. Thank you. Um, it's going to be painful when he start putting the show behind a paywall. <laughs> that's not happening. Uh, as the bloke you mentioned from New Zealand two podcasts ago, uh, Keith, that's Keith Samurai, I believe, by the way. Yes. Got a letter from him coming up, too. Two podcasts ago, he said that comics were very expensive over here. One issue of DC Comics is two ninety nine in, in the U.S. and costs $6.99 in Australian dollars, Ugh. which converts to about $7.25 in U.S. dollars in today's exchange rate. So they're paying $7.25 for every DC comic. And I think we said it last time. We'll say it again. That just means read more DC, less Marvel, because uh, they're all three ninety nine. So, Shag, in Australia... <laughs> I like this. Shag, in Australia, we can spell it with one G, as shag is a type of seabird. That's news to me. I want to thank and you. And it all comes back to Aquaman. I want to thank you. Exactly. I want to th- maybe, maybe Aquaman could bite into the neck of a shag to survive in the desert. Uh, I want to thank you for enlightening me about Firestorm. I have no idea he was so interesting until listening to you and the passion you have for the character. Also, thanks to, <clears throat> thanks to Rob for all your hard work, especially with the Aquaman run. Uh, you do an amazing you do an amazing job. I'm just going to record, re-record that part with me saying it. So have given proper. <laughs> he says you do very hard work and you do an amazing job. Thank you. Okay. Anyway, he says have a great weekend. Cheers, uh, Ronnie Ling, who also goes by on Twitter, our Captain Ahab 1313. I uh, got a nice letter from John uh, Godwin. 
John uh, has recently read Extreme Justice and has some very specific questions about Extreme Justice. <laughs> Which means John's a very sad man. Let me first apologize to John for having to read Extreme Justice. Um, no, Extreme Justice has got some redeeming factors. And hey, in the 90s are popular again. Haven't you guys been reading the articles? 90s are hip again, man. That's something for another discussion, but it truly is. Tell you what, John, I'm probably going to email you directly on this one and just to help you get through some of these uh, Extreme Justice questions because they get kind of um, deep. But I do want to mention a couple of items here. <laughs> one of his questions is, why wasn't Slipknot in their crappy version of the Legion of Doom? <laughs> <laughs> he wrote, thanks, guys. Keep up the awesome work, and remember to fire the storm, bite the vulture, and tie the slip knot. <laughs> bite, bite the vulture sounds dirty, so we're not going to use that. That's Absolutely awesome. Uh, ben Avery's got a couple of emails here. I'm going to read bits of yours, Ben. Uh, he's, he's sent us two different ones, and uh, let me tell you, I'll be honest, guys, we're a little tight on time, but I want to read every bit of everything Ben wrote. He, everything here is so great, So, but I'm just going to blaze through bits of it. Ben wrote, I'm a, I've officially become a new Firestorm fan with the latest issue. I liked what has happened before, but the issue 7 sold me. One thing that has been interesting for me is that I've been reading through the original Firestorm issues now, so it's interesting to follow both origin stories at the same time. It also explains, I think, why I tend to like Ronnie more. All right, I'm going to have to skip over this nonsensical Aquaman stuff. Uh, no, I'm kidding. We're just, uh, he's got some great comments here about Aquaman. Uh, he says, so yes, I've become a fan of the Fury of Firestorm, the nuclear man, as well as a fanatic about Aquaman. Yay. And then he, uh, he wrote us back and he, he says this bit that I got to bring up. Uh, he talks about Springfield because I don't know if you guys recall in previous issues, Rob and I have gone back and forth a little bit about Springfield. Rob remembered from, from Simpsons. 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 Right. And I was remembering from GI Joe and in both cases, very similar scenarios. Um, and so Ben wrote back saying I wasn't crazy because I couldn't remember the details of it. He said Springfield was an idyllic town run by Cobra and a story arc from the G.I. Joe comic. It was one of, the, one of the few full story arcs I ever had in any series of it as a kid and holds a special place in my heart. So, uh, so that's cool. I think we're going to have to move on uh, to Luke Dobb. Lloyd Dobbler. <laughs> he, he records it. He does all of his messages to us with a, with a uh, boombox outside of our bedroom window. It's very cute. Um <laughs> Uh, dearest Idlehead, please be reassured that your visit to the shrine was a kind, was uh, of the crazy kind of fun. I had no idea Martian Minor was such a jerk in the early days of the DCU. I always assumed him to be the powerful, wise, and restrained outsider portrayed by the Bruce Timm Justice League cartoon series. Um, I imagine my shock discovery he used to be none of those things. If my bizarre analogy hurt, le- hurt you, please know I meant no harm by it. My wife tells me to stop speaking in metaphors. Perhaps I should take this as my lesson and stop using poetic language altogether. I'd be happy to steal superpowers Martian Manhunter action figure figure for you if it would put things right. <laughs> <laughs> the life of crime continues, which it's, it's funny because the, the, the you've got the one Luke who's the cop and now the other Luke who's the criminal. That's kind of <laughs> like a... P.S. Terrific show, guys. Every morning over breakfast, my wife asked me, what does your day look like today? Today I answered, I will be listening to the Fire and Water podcast. Two quick notes, and then I'm gone. One, yes to puffy sleeves. Two, it's agreed. Ronnie gets a hook for a hand. Fan the flame and ride the Awesome. <laughs> he also sent us another email <laughs> about the Superpowers episodes, and he wrote to Robin Shag, Hey, guys, Superpowers episode was enjoyable. I, like you, was too old. He forgot to put in a comma, so it reads, I like you. Ah! <laughs> I, comma, like you. <laughs> but he is first, outside our window with a boombox. Yeah, it's like, thank you, Luke. I appreciate it. It's very sweet. Um, I, <laughs> like you, was too old for the series at the time, at the time they were released, and acquired most of them secondhand years later by buying them from friends or by theft, as we're all now aware. <laughs> 
It's been difficult. It's been difficult to hear what Kenner had planned, even though it was difficult. Uh, it's been fun. I'm sorry. It's been fun to hear what Kenner had planned, even though it was difficult not being able to see what you were talking about. It was helpful that you posted the link, and I visited the Superpowers blog site today. I grieve with you at the loss of what could have been. I would have loved a set of Wonder Twins figures. <laughs> I'm such a sucker for the underclass heroes. I think I'll always find them infinitely more interesting. There was that's why I like Aquaman. There was a booth at C2. That's coming up. There was a booth at C2 E2 filled with superpowers figures. I looked for Firestorm so that I might set might set to write what once was wrong. <laughs> he has not leap, given, totally. he's not given up the poetry, um, but to no avail. No Aquaman figures either. Lots of Hawkman, which surprised me, as is one of my favorite figures from the collection. Keep up the good work. I guess I should point out that um, after getting this heartrending letter, um, the. <laughs> Fire and Water podcast sent Luke a little package in the mail, uh, which has now set things right. So I hope uh, it just helps fill some of the voids. <laughs> You're an incredibly generous man, Rob. Uh, we got a very nice email from Brendan Savinsky, also giving us a lot of support on superpowers. Uh, he said that he was uh, really born during the age of Batman the Animated Series, but uh, being able to follow through the website and hear our personal experiences was great. So thank you for that, Brendan. Uh, yeah, we got a, uh, another letter from Michael Bradley, who does the Thrilling Adventures of Superman podcast, which is a, a great show. It's a fun show. Anyway, he wrote and said uh, he wrote to say, I wanted to drop an email to let you know I enjoyed the Superpowers retrospective. As a child of the 80s, Superpowers toys were a big part of my childhood. I actually still have all my figures, including the Batmobile, Lexor 7, Hall of Justice playset, and Carrying Case Case. <laughs> well, hold on. On second thought, I did lose one figure. Thanks to shoddy construction that caused the legs to fall off behind repair, the Brainiac figure is long gone. By strange twist of fate, I also lost the DC director robot form Brainiac to a similar fate. <laughs> it's ironic that the guy who does the Superman podcast keeps losing the Brainiac action figures. What I yeah. think happens is actually pieces of Brainiac are breaking off and sneaking away. <laughs> they and look at their know, own mind, yeah. Exactly, and it's they're gonna... taking over his house. <laughs> Mike's house looks like a giant robot skull for some reason. Awesome. <laughs> Never wonder why I don't get any mail. Um, <laughs> he also wrote, uh, because I had more heroes than villains, the heroes would always have to team up in pairs, i.e. Batman and Robin, Green Lantern and Flash, and dot, 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 Firestorm and Red Tornado. So before there was fire and water, there was fire and wind. I remember a slight bit of disappointment when I finally did get into comics that those two characters didn't team up more. In the, didn't team up more. Anyway, thanks for the flashback. I enjoyed the show and look forward to part two. So, thank you very much, Michael. You know, there is a, a cool thing. If you go back and read the old Justice League of America issues, that Firestorm was the only one who knew uh, Red Tornado's true That's history right. yes. for a while there with the, was it Tornado Champion or Tornado, Tornado Tyrant? Tornado, Tornado Tyrant, yeah, by, yeah. Written by Jerry Kondo. Those are great, great stories. Yep. So, there, there's a connection. So, um, I'm going to read that. We've got two things left. Uh, I think we've got time. I'm going to read this from Keith Kalel Samra. Uh, his subject line I love is always Excelsior! <laughs> he wrote, hey, esteemed boys. This is, this is our friend from New Zealand, by the way. Uh, just a quick email to say thank you for the Superpowers episode. Can't explain how excited I was to listen to it. Awesome job, guys. Really looking forward to part two of the subject matter. Thanks, Rob. <laughs> Rob is now spelt with two Bs. I love that. Even it says Rob is now spelt with two Bs um, for the link you posted to the site. I browsed along with you guys and talk, uh, as you guys talked about it. And, yes, I agree with Rob Abba. Uh, Black Mana would have been a totally cool figure, especially if they'd given him the glowy eyes like Darkseid. That would have been great. A mail-away, a mail-away Slipknot figure would have totally kicked all kinds of candy asses. <laughs> <laughs> would have been great, though. It would have been those detachable arms like C-3PO from Star Wars. You know, 
Anyway, Shagaga, Blue Devil rules, baby. Enough said. Eagerly awaiting the next episode. Keith Kalel Samra, still penciling the Slipknot Chronicles. <laughs> awesome. It's going to be a lot of unseen artwork. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> Finally, we got a review on iTunes, which we really, really appreciate. Cause, uh, we got something, Fire and Water Makes Steam by Lucky Winner. Uh, for most of my comic reading history, I was not an Aquaman or Firestorm fan, but with the new 52, I decided to try both. I was surprised to find a podcast focused on both characters. I am loving Aquaman, and Firestorm is okay. <laughs> he gets that one right. Uh, but his, but this podcast gives me a greater appreciation of both characters. I love the intro and ending music. I love the playful banter between the co-hosts. He's, he's not going to like this one, because this one got nasty. The only thing that would make this better is if you guys could talk about some classic runs for either character. By the way, my first Aquaman issue was when I was 10 was the death of Arthur Jr. I thought Aquaman is too scary for me. <laughs> Thanks from Jim. Yeah, I can see why. That's your first Aquaman comic. You're like, this is crazy. I'm not reading this book. This is <laughs> It was very depressing. It was. Um, and speaking to Jim's comment about um, doing talking about arcs, we do plan to do that at, at some point. We do want to talk about some, some – we covered one, and then we did the JLA uh, uh, episode, the Martian Invasion stories with, with Frank. Um, but we do plan to do, do more of those in the future. You know, I was thinking, um, I'd really like to get to that sometime in the near future. I mean, being that we're bi-monthly, it's, it's a little tricky in that, you know, one episode's always dedicated to the new issues. The other's, you know, what we decide to fill that time. Right. So it, it may not happen as soon as we may like, but you know what, folks? Why don't you write in, and why don't you guys suggest some previous arcs you think you'd like us to cover? Uh, I'm not making any promises, but I'd love to hear y'all's thoughts, and we'll go through them. And you know what? You might, you might very well suggest something that we hadn't thought of. It might be like, dang, that's absolutely a great storyline to be. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a storyline that both Firestorm and Aquaman were in. It could be you know, just recommend a good Aquaman storyline, recommend a good Firestorm storyline. Send them to us, and uh, we'd love to see that. What's, why don't you tell me our email address? Oh, yes. As always, the Fire and Water Podcast email is firewaterpodcast at comcast.net. So send your comments there or comment on our websites. Um, you can comment on Facebook. You can comment on Twitter. You can find Firestorm Fan, you know, obviously at FirestormFan.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and um, Google+, Plus, all under the same handle. And, Rob, where can they find Aquaman? Uh, is, is of course, www.AquamanTrine.com on Facebook and on Twitter of all the same names. And I wanted to mention one other thing, as we talked about in the previous episodes. Um, I know I mentioned my online comic trip, Ace Kilroy, and the last episode that went up, we had just launched the Kickstarter campaign, um, which was to raise money for the first print collection, to do the first story arc. And we were our target goal was $2,000, and as of yesterday, we hit that goal. Woohoo! Um, yes, thanks partly to Shag, who was the very first person to pledge. Thank you very much, Shag. Damn right. Um, I think I posted it at like 12.01, and Shag's donation came in at like 12.02. So thanks for that. <laughs> um, but yeah, we hit we hit two thousand. We still have um, like by the time everybody here hears this, we'll still have like fifteen days left. So you know, please keep going. You know, please spread, keep spreading the word. And you know, if you want to consider pledging, please do because at this point, like every dollar that we make past the two grand is going to just go back into the strip. We have so many things that we want to do um, that we would love to be able to fund. So, you know, it, it, we would really, really appreciate because, as, as, as Shag put it so eloquently last time, if you support Ace Kilroy, you're supporting me, which means you're supporting the Shrine, which means you're supporting the Fire and Water podcast. So um, check out Ace Kilroy on Kickstarter, and you can check out the strip at uh, www.acekilroy.com. And one other thing I wanted to mention, just and this is the first time I've mentioned this to anybody, the strip now is on hiatus until August, uh, until the new storyline starts, but... 
uh, I would suggest checking out hcoy.com on Free Comic Book Day. And that's all I'll say. Oh, how cool. <laughs> <clears throat> that's a great idea, Rob. Now, I, I want to pull back the veil for a second and actually be nice to Rob. Uh, I just want to say, as your friend and co-host, congratulations on reaching your goal. I know how important the Ace Kilroy Kickstarter initiatives is to you. And I, when I saw you post that you had reached out, I was so happy for you. I just, I, I think it's fantastic. You guys deserve it. You've worked so hard for this, and this is your dream. And I'm, I'm proud for you and happy for you, friend. Thank you. I appreciate you said it. it was a big load off my mind once, once we saw that two K, you know, just pop up, and it was like, oh, you're now 100, 101 percent funded. Like, yay! So, yeah, we look forward to it. It's we got a lot of exciting stuff coming up. We're going to be doing the Philly Comic Con. Dan and I will be there together. The first time we've done a Comic Con together since we've created the strip. We're going to be on a TV show uh, about talking about Ace Kilroy. More about that later on after we record. Oh wow! It. Um, and we're going to do some other fun things. So yeah, it's it's really going along. We're really enjoying ourselves, and uh, you know, it's very touching that so many people came out to support it. It really does mean a lot to us, and. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm very excited. I'm very proud of the trip. I'm proud of the work we've been doing, and uh, you know, it's great. It's just, it's, it's great all, it's great all around. Cool. And folks, seriously, please do consider uh, contributing. It, 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 it would mean a lot to Rob and it would tend to the show. So, all right, folks. Until next time, uh, fan the flame and ride the wave. And uh, Rob, you want to say good night, folks? Good night, folks, and uh, thanks for listening. Bye now. Bye. Aquaman and Firestorm fighting crime together. Soak them down or burn them up. No one does it better. Whenever you find trouble, they'll always be there to catch them in a bubble or even torch their hair. Stand for truth and justice and see on land. Forever. Yeah. Elaine.